If you would, open a Bible with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, where we will begin this period of our study as we worship God together. And we learn from God's Word about the things that He wants us to know and the changes He wants to make in our lives. Good to see you this morning. We have a number of visitors with us. As always, we want you to know that you're welcome here. I know that many of you are here for a wedding, and uh, we're happy that you're here. We're happy about the wedding, and uh, we're just glad that you've chosen to stay over and worship God with us. We wish you uh, safe journeys as you travel back home, but thank you for being here with us. For those who are visiting with us from the community, we want you to know that you're, we're happy that you're here. We'd love to get to know you better, and anything that we can do to help you to grow closer to God or know more about the Bible or more about what we do here, we'd love to have those conversations with you. I want to begin by reading Luke 5 and verse 33. Luke 5, 33. And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. We can get to know people through stories. So as we've mentioned over the last several weeks... We've been looking back at the stories of Jesus to try to learn more about him and sort of see him in a fresh light. And I've been preaching, I've told you this and you've noticed this, I've been preaching a little bit differently through those lessons. I've been trying to focus more on the stories of Jesus and kind of getting ourselves into the story rather than just studying it as words on a page. And so, as we do that, I want to remind you our goal is to answer this question. If you and I were to walk with Jesus, if we were here when he was present on earth, what would we notice about him? What would stick out? What would we remember? And so we've talked about a couple of those things already. How deeply we would be impressed by the fact that Jesus draws out faith wherever he goes. And how deeply we would be impressed that Jesus knows God and is a deeply spiritual man. But what I want to do this morning is to push our series forward a little bit. And I want us to talk about the fact that Jesus makes all things new. That when you're around Jesus and you follow him, I think this would be amazing to you. That you would see that everywhere he went, he would leave this trail of people with a freshness. Something good and exciting and positive where before there was only despair and cynicism or even sickness. And Jesus, just by his presence, sometimes by his words, occasionally by his actions, makes those things new. And I want us to see what that's going to mean for you and me as we think about our relationship with Jesus, even though we don't walk with him physically. So what happens in our scene that we've read in Luke chapter 5 is that Jesus is criticized because his disciples don't fast. And he says a couple of things about that. First, he tells them it's not time to fast because the groom is with them. So this is the wedding picture, which, by the way, a lot of you have been at a wedding. You know this. A wedding is a joyful time. It's not a time where we say, you know what, let's not eat anything. Let's just sit here and be sad. Instead, it's a time where we all celebrate, especially when the couple is there. We're excited for them. They're excited. Everything is happy. So Jesus says, when everything is happy, it's not a time to fast. That will come later when the groom is taken away from them. And then he uses some pictures to try to illustrate that. He says, you don't stick a... Let's see, I want to get it right. A new patch 
on an old garment because then the patch is going to shrink and tear away from the old garment. And so what was a small hole now will be torn bigger. And so you say, we don't need that. We need something old with something old and something new with something new. And he says the same thing about wineskins. He says, if you have a new wine, which is freshly squeezed grapes, and you put it in an old wineskin, it's going to cause problems. The reason for that is new wine, as it ferments, is going to expand and release lots of gas. It needs something that's going to be flexible and that can withstand the gas. If you put it in an old wineskin that's hard, then it's going to bust the skin. So you need a new wineskin that can bend and can move with the expanding gases. You put new wine in new wineskins. And you may be thinking, what is all of that about? Jesus is saying, I'm bringing something new. And you can't deal with the new things I'm bringing in old ways. You need to be prepared for the new reality I'm bringing and that it might shake you up a little bit. It might challenge some of the old ways like the idea that we should always fast all the time. He says, no, that's not appropriate now. You're going to have to get used to doing things in a different way because Jesus is going to make everything new. And you and I need to be prepared for the fact that Jesus making things new means he is going to change our reality. He will rock your world. And you need to be prepared for that because as those things shift, it's going to change who you are, it's going to change what your life means, and it's going to change where you're going. So let's think about how Jesus makes all things new. First of all, I want you to think about how Jesus gives people fresh starts. See, a lot of what we're going to be thinking about this morning has to do with people and how Jesus does these changes to people. We've talked a lot about the healings of Jesus already in previous lessons. I'm not going to focus too much on that. But let's just say all the healings work this way, don't they? People come to Jesus and they're sick or they're lame or they're demon-possessed and they ask for healing and suddenly they're jumping around. Suddenly they want to go tell everybody about what Jesus has done for them. Suddenly they're, they're no longer sick. They don't have to worry about the flow of blood. All of these things are great. They're healed. I'm fresh. I'm new. What I want us to think about is the moral side. How Jesus seems to attract people who have moral problems and need him. And he gives them fresh starts. So Jesus is going through the city of Jericho. And along the street, there seem to be people who have gathered out to see, because when Jesus comes to town, you want to see what he's going to do. And so they're all out. And there is one man who particularly wants to go out to see Jesus. I just wonder what Zacchaeus was thinking that day. I wonder if he knew this was going to be the day that everything changed for him. He wanted to see Jesus. But people don't like Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is not just a tax collector, which nobody's really a big fan of tax collectors, but he was the chief tax collector. Okay, So I, I read one, uh, or I heard one scholar say that this was, he was the head of the Jericho tax cartel. That gives you a feel for how people would view him. And nobody liked Zacchaeus. So here he comes. He tries to get to the side of the road just to see Jesus. And nobody will let him through. He's a short man. So he does what a determined person does. He climbs in a tree just to get a look at Jesus. And as Jesus and his apostles come through town, Jesus locks eyes and looks up at him and he says, Zacchaeus, get down from the tree. I'm coming over. I'm coming to your house today. And so Zacchaeus hops down. And all of the people in that way that they do, you know how people can grumble where you, you kind of hear them, but you kind of don't? And they say, oh, I can't believe it. He's going to his house. Look at all these people. 
and he's going to the worst house in town. And yet Jesus goes in. And we don't know everything that was said at that dinner table, but we do know that at some point in the dinner, Zacchaeus stands up and says, Jesus, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor, and everything I've done wrong, everybody I've defrauded, I'm going to pay them back four times what I took from them. Something's changed in Zacchaeus. And Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house. He looks at Zacchaeus and says, you are saved, brother. Jesus leaves Jericho with a totally new man in charge of the tax system. Jesus gives fresh starts to people like Zacchaeus. Something changed that day. Something began for him because Jesus came to town. Or one time he's sitting by a well in Samaria and a woman comes out of the city to get water. She's busy with her task for the day and she sees this guy. He starts talking to her, give me a drink, and she's kind of shocked. Well, why would you ask a drink for me? I'm a Samaritan woman. Eventually, as they talk, Jesus says, hey, why don't you go call your husband? I want to talk to him too. And her eyes get wide just for a second. And she says, I'm not married. He says, you know, you're right about that. You're not married. You've already had five different husbands. And the guy that you're with now, you're not married to. Now her eyes get really wide. Can you imagine? And she says, well, hey, let's talk about worship. But you know, even through all their conversation about worship, that, that one thing he said, that one thing he knew about her, about her past and her marriages, it deeply affected her. Because later on, when she goes back into the city... She's going to say, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. She doesn't say, come see the man who straightened out my worship question. No, no. Jesus says, I am the Messiah. And she drops her water jar and rushes back to town. Because she sees something in this man that maybe things can change. He knows everything about me. That's what Jesus does. He gives fresh starts to people. Here is a woman who desperately needs a fresh start. She has a lot of baggage. She has a lot of shame. And here Jesus is here to say, I can give you living water. I can change your life. That is Jesus. Giving fresh starts to people who don't deserve them. This is Jesus. Who when they bring him a woman caught in adultery, first he works on the consciences of the people who brought her. And then he says, go and sin no more. I do not condemn you. Fresh starts. This is Jesus, who when he's eating dinner one time, a woman he previously had had some kind of interaction with comes into the house. And the woman is only known by the fact that she is a sinner, which probably implies prostitution. And she is so overcome with the fact that Jesus would have anything to do with her that she is crying all over his feet and then loosening her hair to wipe her tears off his feet. And Jesus turns to the woman and says, your sins are forgiven. This is Jesus, eating with tax collectors and sinners. People that have been in the world so long that they are the world. And now suddenly they have a fresh start. This is Jesus. After his resurrection, he has something that he needs to work with. 
because Peter has denied him three times. He told him he would. Peter didn't believe him. And yet he did deny him. Jesus is crucified. Now he is resurrected. And he goes to the Sea of Galilee. And Peter and several other disciples are out fishing. And he calls to them and they come in. And there's a fire. And they cook the fish and eat breakfast. Fish breakfast. I've had it before. Not my favorite. Fish breakfast by the sea. And after they finish eating, just, just picture the scene. The waves of the sea, the fire, everybody there, here's Jesus, he's resurrected, can't believe it, exciting. And Jesus turns to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these guys? Peter says, oh, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Okay. Peter, do you love me more than these guys? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus says, Peter, and you can hear him sighing now. Oh, great, here we go again. Peter, do you love me? And the text says Peter was grieved that he said it the third time. He said, Jesus, you know I love you. You know everything. Peter says, feed my sheep. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Now, what's going on here? Do you see what's going on? Jesus is saying, Peter, what, what happened before happened before. It's time for something new. Time for a new purpose. You have a purpose now. It's about tending to other people. It's about watching out for them. If you love me, you're going to take care of my people. Suddenly, Peter has a fresh start, one he does not deserve. He is a new man because Jesus says, Peter, if you love me, here's what's next. Jesus gives fresh starts. And one of the most beautiful pictures of this actually comes from a person who doesn't want a fresh start. And this is very interesting to me. One night, one of the Jewish leaders, a rabbi, famous teacher, comes to Jesus, but he comes in the middle of the night. And he says, congratulations, Jesus, you've made it. Some of us think that you're a teacher from God. And I think that he was expecting Jesus to do, wow, really, me? When Jesus says, hmm, you know, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, he says, born again? I'm an old man. Am I supposed to go back into my mom's womb and come out again? Kind of a grotesque picture. Jesus says, no. Unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you won't see the kingdom. Here's the thing about being born again. Born again is the, the quintessential picture of a fresh start. You are a new person. You are completely new, just like a baby coming into the world. Jesus says, unless that happens to you by the working of God through your faith and the Spirit of God, unless that happens to you, you won't see the kingdom. Fresh starts are essential to the kingdom. And Nicodemus seems completely uninterested in that. In fact, he seems baffled by the idea, I didn't come here to get a lesson, Jesus. I came here to tell you, I think you're okay. You see, sometimes when Jesus wants to give a fresh start, there are people who have no interest in getting a fresh start because they don't think they need anything. They don't think they're in a desperate situation. And those are the people who have the most trouble understanding Jesus throughout his life. So I want you to think about this. Jesus gives people fresh starts. This is a huge part of human existence. Do you know what we do every January 1st? Every January 1st, just because... 
365 days have passed and we decide that that's an important time, we celebrate. We stay up all night. We wear funny hats. Happy New Year. It's a new year. It's a new year. We turn over new leaves. We want fresh starts all the time. In fact, I think this happens. This happens to me in the morning. I get up in the morning and I feel different and I say, hey, today is a new day. That's what we want so desperately, to be able to say, there is some kind of freshness in my life. And what I made mistakes in before, somehow from this point forward, I can do differently. I can do better. And that's what we say at the end of a year, isn't it? Boy, I hope next year is better than this year. And then at the end of this year, I hope next year is better than this year. And so on and on it goes because what we really seek is a fresh start. That's what Jesus does. Everywhere Jesus goes, this power, this healing, this grace radiates out from him. And people are able to start over so that when Jesus comes into a city, he leaves behind him a group of people who are now serving God in a fresh new way. Jesus makes all things new. Second, Jesus gives people new purposes. I love this. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees in their boats Peter and Andrew and James and John. They are fishing, which, by the way, in this time was not rod and reel. This was throwing a big net out and then pulling it in. It's hard work. They're out fishing and Jesus says, hey, follow me. I'll make you catch men. I will make you become man fishers. And suddenly their whole lives are recast. Do you know that the rest of the New Testament is really the fulfillment of that promise? Jesus making them become man fishers, pulling people in. Suddenly they have a new purpose. Andrew brings his brother Simon to Jesus. We probably don't think of him as Simon. Jesus looks at him and he says, this is my translation, so your name is Simon Johnson. But I'm going to call you Rock. Rock? I don't know if Peter was a big guy. You know, usually we think of that with big guys, calling somebody Rock. But I also think there are some character implications behind it, which makes it even more baffling, right? If any of the apostles is less like a rock than Peter, I don't know who it would be. Peter is unstable as water. And yet Jesus says, this is who you're going to be. You are going to be the rock. When Jesus calls people to him, he calls them to new purposes. Come to me, he says, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A new burden, a new yoke, a new work. That's what Jesus offers. In fact, at one point, he is at the temple in the Feast of Tabernacles. This is the time when Israel would live in tents for about eight days. And on the last day of the feast, there are all these ceremonies where there is water poured in and out, and Isaiah is read. And and Jesus stands up, and he cries out in the temple, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And as the scripture is said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. All of a sudden, he says... Come to me and I will give you a new purpose. You will become a fountain and from you will flow through the Holy Spirit rivers of living water. So the heart of what Jesus does is not just to save people. I think sometimes we mistake it as only salvation. The heart of it is 
that Jesus wants to bless and cleanse and teach and use people. And so when Jesus comes through town, if you're walking next to Jesus, you are going to get a new purpose for your life. So if you and I were walking with Jesus, we would hear this. He would turn to us sometimes and say, you guys are the salt of the earth. You guys are the light of the world. God's going to use you to season the world, to shed light to the world. That's who we are, a new purpose. And he teaches about the kingdom of heaven that way. He says things like, kingdom of heaven is like a man sowing seed. And when the seed falls on good ground, it bears fruit. People do what God wants. People live out the gospel. And suddenly our lives become about following God. And when we bear that fruit, the growth is exponential. In fact, Jesus says this a bunch of times. That is, the growth is 30-fold or 60-fold or 100-fold. Or the growth is like a mustard seed that starts out really small and becomes a great big tree. That's what Jesus is going to do in us and through us in the world. And I think one of the best ways to see this is to actually look at the disciples. Because they do become fishers of men. And they do take his yoke. And the mustard seed does become a great tree. And they are a light to the world. And Jesus is the author of it all. In fact, you and I are sitting here today. Have you thought about what we are doing? We are sitting here today to remember someone who died 2,000 years ago. And the men that he taught before he died and after he died. Because what Jesus promised in terms of new purpose came true. And I don't know about you, but it kind of gets me chewing on the question. Well, then what is the purpose he has in mind for me? If he's giving out new purposes, what's my purpose? And we'll talk more about that in a minute. The third thing Jesus does is Jesus gives people new understandings. He doesn't just change people's lives. He also changes the way they think. And he knows precisely where people's thinking is incorrect. And he knows exactly where to push. So I'll just, I'll just give you some examples of this. Jesus takes the idea of the Passover, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and gives it a new understanding, where now the Passover is not about salvation from Egypt. Now the Passover is about the greater salvation and the greater lamb. Now the Passover is about me and my body and my blood. He takes the law, the law of Moses, and gives a new understanding. Instead of the law being about just this list of things God can't handle people doing, don't you dare do this or else it's going to make God mad. He says the law is about a God who's revealing his heart to us. Jesus gives a new understanding about the temple. Jesus spent a lot of time in the temple. After he's born, he's taken into the temple. Twelve years old, he's found in the temple. But when Jesus comes to the temple in his adulthood, he throws over the tables of the money changers. He drives out the people who are selling animals in the temple. And he says, please hear it, he says, God said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations. And you have made it into a den of thieves. God wanted this different. You need to think about the temple in terms of what God wants, not what is convenient for you. He takes the kingdom and gives a fresh understanding of the kingdom. In fact, 
much of the parables of Jesus are about him trying to explain the kingdom in a way that will help us understand. It's like a field. Or it's like a guy going out to sow in his field. Or it's like a treasure hidden in a field. Or it's like a, a dragnet that you fishermen would throw out and then pull in all kinds. Of, the kingdom is like everything you experience and you need to understand it on a deeper level. But two of the most important areas where Jesus gives new understandings are grace and humility. And I want to talk about those for just a moment. To talk about grace. Grace is the idea that God gives something that we don't deserve. Just freely gives. But Jesus knows that a lot of people that he is talking to resent grace. They look down on people who they feel don't deserve what they deserve. And so what Jesus does is he tells a story. In this story, a man hires guys to go work for him. So, begin very early in the morning, let's say 6 a.m., go and hire some guys, and then he goes out and he gets a few more at 9 a.m., and then a few more at noon, and a few more at 3 p.m., and then he goes and gets some at 5 p.m., and then 6 p.m., whistle blows, day's done. And now here they are, because in the ancient world, everybody gets paid the day they work. So here they are, they line up to get paid. And the five o'clock guys are first. They work one hour. And here they come. And let's just say a day's wages is $100, just to make it easy. So those 5 p.m. guys, they come, and, and here the, they get $100 for working one hour. Now, if you are the guy who showed up at 6 a.m., you know what you're thinking. You're doing some math in your head. You're thinking, oh, my word, $100 an hour? I'm about to have a lot of money. And then here you come, all right, where's my 1200 bucks? And you get $100 too. And you start to complain. Hey, wait a minute, I saw what you gave that guy. Jesus says, let me tell you what the master says to that. The master says, this is fair because I'm paying you for what you did. Why are you worried what I give to somebody else? What does that have to do with you? And if I, it's my money. If I want to pay somebody a lot of money, well, what does that have to do with you? Why is your eye evil because I'm good? But when Jesus tells a story, the most powerful idea to me is that when you talk about grace, the math doesn't add up. It doesn't work like you think it should. It doesn't seem fair. And that's all of his point. In fact, Jesus tells another story where a young man leaves home, wastes all his father's money, and then goes back home and gets better stuff. How does that add up? If you waste it all, it gets better? That's what grace is about. A new understanding of grace. Where suddenly we know what God wants is not to make everything equal. What God wants is to bless as he sees fit as a sovereign God. The other thing that Jesus gives new people understandings about is humility. Now, everybody knows that God hates pride and loves the humble, but Jesus gives a new understanding of this. He says, sometimes you can be proud in the way you pray. And so he tells a story about a tax collector and a Pharisee praying, where the Pharisee only prays really about himself. Sometimes, he says, pride can show up in just what you do in your ordinary relationships. Like when you go somewhere to eat, he says, don't pick the best seats. Don't say, I want to sit in the highest, most honorable place because, he says, for one, he might ask you to go down that you're not as great as you think you are. 
But for two, you're seeking honor for yourself. And over and over again, in all of these contexts, the saying that keeps coming up from Jesus' mouth, if you and I were walking with him, we would have heard it, we would have known it, it would have been drilled into our heads. He who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Driving that point home. One time, he talks about the Romans. And he says, do you see these guys? you see the politicking? Do you see the efforts to get higher offices? He says, don't be like them. They want power so that they can lord it over everyone else. They want to be the best, but not so among you. Not my people. He who humbles himself will be exalted, but he who exalts himself will be humble. And the really powerful thing, when you get a new understanding, I wish that I could transfer how it feels when I have gotten new understandings about things from Jesus, how it feels and how motivating it is, because it is something that stirs your soul. In fact, that even happens from Jesus. After Jesus is resurrected, he appears to these two men on their way to the village of Emmaus. They don't know it's him, but they start talking to him. First they're sad, then they start explaining, well, we thought he was the Messiah. And then Jesus explains to them how, well, you know, Scripture actually says the Messiah was going to suffer. And later on, when Jesus is gone, they look at each other and they say, didn't our hearts burn within us when he explained to us the Scriptures? When we finally began to understand, that's what happens to us. That's what Jesus does for us. When we have a new understanding and the pieces begin to come together and we see what God is doing and what God wants and how my life has not been what God expects it to be, suddenly I am motivated to follow Jesus. That's what he does. He makes me new by making my understanding new. So Jesus gives people fresh starts and new purposes and new understandings. What we are talking about here in this first idea is forgiveness. In the second idea is purpose. And in this third idea is knowledge. Jesus gives it and Jesus renews us through it. And the question that you and I need to answer this morning is, has he done that for me? Have I allowed him to make me new? The first part of that is forgiveness. And we need to realize that Jesus forgives us as we are willing to acknowledge that we have done things that deserve punishment. To acknowledge that we are not the one who can be in charge of our own lives. To acknowledge that we are weak and needy. And when we acknowledge that, then Jesus' appeal makes a lot more sense. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's not just a verse about I'm tired at the end of the day. It's a verse about I'm tired because I have sins that have weighed me down and the guilt of those sins is unbearable. And I am ready. I need someone to say, you can have a fresh start. I will take that away. If you're here this morning and you need that forgiveness, you need that start. Don't leave carrying that burden when Jesus died to take that burden from you. But I also want to say, if you are a Christian, that fresh start, that doesn't end when you became a Christian, because you know what happens as well as I do. We get wrapped up in sin again. We struggle and we fall. And we need Jesus to forgive us and to say, no, you can still do this. You are still with me. 
We need fresh starts on a regular basis. We need the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus gives people new purposes. And the question is, do I know my purpose? Do I know what Jesus wants to do with me and through me? We sing just as I am. And Jesus will accept us just as we are, as long as we're willing to submit to him. But Jesus won't leave us just as we are. Oh, no. His vision for us, his mission for us, is that we are changed. Jesus wants to transform me to be a light to the world. He wants me to be a fisher of men. He wants me to be an outpost of living water that sends living water forward. As my life is transformed, God uses me to transform the lives of others in a chain of goodness and grace and blessing. That is what Jesus' vision for us is. So as I obey and submit, the Spirit of God works in me to produce a new person full of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That person that God created me to be, now he creates in me. He makes me new. And all of that is continually new because the opportunities in my life are continually changing. I continually have opportunities to express what God has done for me and to live out what God is doing in me. He has given me a new purpose. Do I have Jesus' understanding? That is, do I know what Jesus loves and hates? Do I know how Jesus thinks about the things in my life? This is an issue that is constantly changing. We constantly need to be renewed as we touch again what Jesus has said and what he wants from us. This is how we expand our growth. This is how we mature. This is how we stay motivated because our hearts burn within us as we see more and more of the vision God has for the world and for us. This is how Jesus makes us new. I believe that if we were to walk with Jesus, we would be deeply impressed at how Jesus always has the ability to leave people feeling fresh and new when they're willing to submit to God, both in their own forgiveness and in their vision for what's to come, and sometimes deeply challenged by an understanding they had not considered before. But I want to say that Jesus is still in the business of making all things new. And the question I have for you is, do you need to be renewed in some way this morning? If you are not a disciple of Jesus and you are ready to give your life to him and have the forgiveness he died to give you, we'd love nothing more than to help you do that this morning by having you be baptized into Christ, having your sins washed away. But if you are a disciple of Jesus and you know there's something that needs to change in your life, you want us to help you by praying with you, if there is anything that we can do, please come to the front right now as we stand and sing to encourage you.